Welcome to The Mindful Mess with Gene and Matt. I'm Gene. And I'm Matt. Let's make sense of our mess together. together. Hey, everyone. This is Matt. I'm a psychiatrist who is a queer, autistic, and an ex-Mormon survivor of trauma from conversion therapy. As an empath with emotionally impulsive nature, I seek growth in managing my reactions while learning how others experience the world. And a little bit about me, I'm Jean. Um, I am a first-generation queer Chinese-American, um, and I'm a fitness professional working in the city. Um, and a lot of what I'm bringing uh, to this conversation is uh, actually learning a little bit about the culture gap that I've kind of experienced my whole life and figuring out how to navigate my life experience through that cultural lens. Um, and I identify as someone who's uh, very analytical and very philosophical, but what I want to bring forth in this podcast is to uh, learn how to bring more emotionality to those conversations and ascribe deeper meaning to the things that we experience in our lives. We feel like uh, we both kind of bring two very different experiences and we hope that we can impart um, some of that on each other mm -hmm. um, in a way to find balance in our lives. Yeah. And we hope you guys enjoy, enjoy the ride with us. All right, so in this episode, we get into talking about, uh, I think uh, what we what we decided early on was going to be a foundational framework. Early, we wanted this to be an early episode, mm -hmm. uh, talking a little bit about values and belief systems, mm -hmm. right? So we started off by asking some questions like, you know, like any good learner, yeah. well, what is it? Right? Yep. What, what are, are they? Values? Where do they come from? Mm -hmm. How are they guiding my actions? yeah um and is that like true to to me anymore or and also like am i living am i living by my values yeah. or value something that i say i have and then i'm just living this life otherwise mm -hmm. outside of that and ultimately if i'm not like that could be causing depression like just feeling badly about yourself like a failure um just uh be being extra hard on yourself um, it could be anxiety and just like rumination. Um, it yeah. could be any of those things. And so, um, and so one thing that brought that into a nice, uh, relatable example for me in my life is I talk a little bit about experiencing social anxiety and mm -hmm. I, I sort of operationalize these ideas into like actual thoughts and thinking and, and how it's, it's actually, it's a session, sort of a session that helped me process my actual thoughts about that whole situation in my own life. And being like, oh, those behaviors appear to be operating out of a desire to live with these values, right? Of being, say, inclusive and friendly and kind and polite, all that. But is it actually a truer manifestation of something else? Mm -hmm. Is there more unpacking to do around that? So that's kind of my side of this episode, I would yeah. say. Yeah, I'm um, glad I got to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think we, we ultimately came back together and... Uh, came forward with like, I feel like some really solid groundwork for like, how can a conversation about values and belief systems, how can that be something that we act upon in our own journey for self-improvement? And mm -hmm. we offer some of those insights to you all as listeners as well. So, yeah. 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 We hope you like. All right. So, um, last week, first episode, we threw you all directly into the middle of the conversation. Um, and you know, it was just kind of plop and we're there and we're talking about trauma and we're talking about big ticket items. Um, 
so it was just a chance to kind of get our feet wet and just start this conversation right away. But to kind of move move into these early episodes, uh, you know, we Matt and I kind of brainstormed a few things and picked out a few topics that we like that we're going to jump into. So for this week's episode, we decided to have a conversation about values and belief systems. So we're just kind of going to get the ball rolling and see where the conversation takes us. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to start with, Matt? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the first question we can ask ourselves, or I we ask we have to ask ourselves is what are our values uh i think so often people go through life like I, it's a i think it's a really common experience that people don't ever actually intentionally consider what their values are um like really deliberately mm-hmm. and go through an exercise to really identify them um and, and so i think oftentimes people don't even really know what they are yeah um i think a lot of times we are subjected and uh, almost indoctrinated with them based upon our early formative experiences, right? Like yeah. when you're a baby or a toddler or a small child, like you certainly wouldn't recognize this as being like values, but you're definitely being exposed to them. And maybe even like your caretakers or your parents or your family members mm-hmm. um, would be demonstrating and, and living on a set of values or belief systems without necessarily even saying like, oh, I'm choosing to live and operate based on these systems, but as a result of being around them and them being important to you as a person, like you'll probably be absorbing some of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think it'd be worth having a bit of a conversation of what are some examples of values? Because I think that can be very broadly interpreted. Yeah. And like maybe even try to go into avenues of conversation where it's like, oh, I don't know that I thought about this thing as like a value or a belief system, but mm-hmm. maybe there's some value in um, putting it into some more of a formalized understanding. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that um, to your thought about maybe um, – where they come from Mm -hmm. um i think you're absolutely right like it's a part of the environment that we're up we grew up in and uh, i think a lot of times people neglect how observant children are Mm, um and they don't something doesn't have to be directly expressed to them for them to um for them to pick up derive information yeah Mm -hmm. and so like values are imposed upon us by um, our communities of origin and sometimes like that might, they might not serve us. Um, or we had, we maybe no longer, um, really identify with the value, but we continue to act and live our lives as if we do just because we haven't ever stopped and thought like, is this actually something I value? Um, Mm. and if, and if it's not like, why don't I just let it go? True. True. Okay, there's a lot I want to say to that, but I would say I want to walk it back a little bit. I feel like a fun little exercise we can do between you and me is I think we should each share what we think are, let's say, a few of our what we could consider key or core values. Okay. And perhaps what you might describe as being uh, maybe a predominant or somewhat overarching belief system about the world mm-hmm. and whatever that means to you. I'd just be so curious to hear what our different responses would sound like. So okay. I'd love for you to start. Um, yeah. So I value relationships um, and like connection with others. 
Uh, I highly value um, I value altruism or like mm -hmm. or I mean uh, wanting to um, help yeah others no, these could be behaviors yeah uh, attributes um i like autonomy um autonomy. i value autonomy a lot mm. um i also you know and i um only recently maybe in the last like year or so have i been able to kind of accept a value that i have because i think for a long time i felt like it was like not acceptable to have it as a value um and i think that's something that we oftentimes forget is that like values themselves are neutral the but we the like, choices yeah well i mean sorts. no well, values are like the themes that like guide our life our behavior and um and that's what you choose to be important to you is what i meant by choices oh a, yeah a value is a value is a theme or as some kind of thing you identify an observable with. phenomenon mm -hmm. that you choose that you sort of choose as being important to your identity or you feel is um a, a, a component of success or moving forward or growth in life for example yes Does that makes sense yes um but like uh, at large like sometimes society assigns a like good or bad value to certain values like so for instance like it was hard for me to accept that I value like notoriety or like status. Mm. Um, and because, you know, a lot of times we talk about how people who value like fame or like uh, celebrity like that, it's like shallow or something's negative about that. But like, really, it's more about like what a person does with it, um, mm -hmm. like with the value, like how to how then do they live the value? And if it's somebody like, you know, like, Beyonce, you know, for instance, who has status, mm. um, but uses it to do amazing things. Uh, and so um, I was able to kind of finally admit that to myself, because I felt like there was some like, that it was somehow shameful mm -hmm. uh, to value that. Um, like maybe overly self serving or somehow arrogant, yeah. arrogant, maybe, or maybe like a less noble pursuit. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, but uh, but I think it's something that people commonly have. And I um, recently actually had an experience where um, I was in a class on leadership and kind of had verbalized in the class that that was something that I recently um, um, identified or like admitted, mm. um, recognized. And this, uh, this woman came up to me after and said, I just want to like, thank you for saying that because Did it validate something I've not been, I've not felt like it was okay to value that either. Um, mm. and hearing you admit that has helped me to start accept that about myself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, and I, and I, so I think it's like common for people to maybe, um, look down upon that. And so I think there's stigma with it. Um, but mm -hmm. like, uh, again, it, I feel like, Values are subjective. Values can only, it's not values that can be judged, but like the behaviors that people engage in mm -hmm. related to the value. Like for instance, like somebody like, like Donald Trump, mm -hmm. um, like that was total abuse. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, like you have somebody like Beyonce who does good. Yeah. Um, totally. Both have a both have status, mm-hmm. um, but they use it in different ways. And they're yeah, and they're living out their values. They're living out. The, well, I would say like status is something that's like a certain level of privilege as well within society. Mm-hmm. And so they're exercising their privilege in different ways too. Yeah. They're, one treats privilege as a platform to do good. And mm-hmm. the other one I think uses privilege as a way to get what they want selfishly. Yeah. Or um, just build up continue, their ego. continue to build their own ego. Yeah. What you said, I want to, I'm going to butt in here for a sec, which is you were talking about how values drive your behaviors. And I almost, it's funny as I was trying to come up with my little list, as you were thinking, I was almost thinking of it from the reverse perspective, which is actually observing my own behaviors and being like, what does that indicate about my values? Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, like, I would say some values that I find are like things that I think are valuable are like definitely a sense of like perseverance. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for me, like um, willingness to be forthcoming and honest and communicate, um, uh, I would say like blunt and, and forward communication um, is a huge value for me mm-hmm. and kind of what you were saying when you were talking to that woman about she sort of opened up to you about having felt validated by your experience I think that vulnerability is a really important value for me too yeah I'm someone who I also I think I actually really do desire like close relationships but one thing that I've struggled with in the past is that I find that vulnerability is something that a lot of people struggle with mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say that I don't struggle with vulnerability because I definitely do, but I'm, I'm more cognizant of understanding the connection between vulnerability and connection and human connection. Yeah. Is that a lot of times human connection is much more real and much more feels much deeper and more meaningful when vulnerability has been exchanged as opposed to connections that are formed simply out of a similar shared, say shared interests. Yeah. What I think a lot of people gauge um, closeness based off of, which is, how much time you spend with them. People say things like, I spend a ton of time with this person, so I'm close to them. Being like, I've had a different experience. I've spent a ton of time around a lot of people and some of them I could say, I really don't know them all that well because there's been that element of lack of vulnerability, lack of being like, actually, this is who I really am. I'm letting you see me at like, you know, in a place that's not my best, not my most presentable per se. Mm -hmm. So I definitely value that as well. Um, But I also think a little bit about some of the behaviors that I think are, let's call them less becoming of me and being like, how are the behaviors that I maybe am not so proud of also demonstrative of my values? Yeah. So like, well, I think that kind of goes back to what I was saying where, um, like, um, our behaviors are not always necessarily indicators of our values. Um, but, they can be uh, um, used to determine like if we're living in line with our values. Cause sometimes we like data points. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we can get out of sync with that and that just happens. Um, But like, or your behaviors actually when reflected upon demonstrate, they show you that you've actually been either living by a different, you've either veered off of your desired values or your value system has changed. Yeah. And so that's what you have to like ask yourself, like, um is this actually something i value um Mm -hmm. and like is this a value that was imposed on me you know by society or by my family 
Um, or like, is this something that, um, I actually like still value now? Like, um, and it's okay. Like, absolutely. If you do still identify with the same value that you were kind of raised with, um, a lot of them you will, but there are definitely going to be some that will change. Um, and I think that's very common with the queer experience that like, we find that like through experience mm. um through lived experience or other like types of situations like we learn just how to uh, uh like see the world differently mm. like we end up more open and a lot of times when those kinds of um shifts happen um, values have pro probably shift too, but our behaviors, because we're habitual creatures, our behaviors might continue in line with that value. And when we're um, behaving in ways that are not in line with our values, a lot of times we'll just start to feel kind of negative. Off. Feel a little off. Yeah. And it can like evolve into anxiety or depression if it's not addressed. Um, and it's kind of like just this like, like kind of, guilt feeling that just like festers and then progresses because we don't really know why we're feeling it. Mm -hmm. And so we like tell ourselves that it just like, it's not, it's coming out of nowhere. Oh, maybe that just means like medicine needs to deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it's like, I don't have a reason to be depressed. Um, but, and so, but yet I am. I haven't um, thought about there being a connection between uh, what we will call mental, mental health pathologies, like, like anxiety and depression and that having something to do actually with a sense of misalignment of your, of your chosen behaviors against your chosen. Yeah. Values. I can see it now that you paint that picture, now that you're drawing that line between mm -hmm. the two, but that makes me think a little bit too about my own, but I want to honestly, like, I think it's one of, I think it's probably like the most common type of depression uh, that like can a lot you, of, can you connect those dots for me? Can you maybe give me an example of how, how, how does a lead to B? Do you well, know what I'm saying? So like, I mean, we, especially like in the queer community, we have a lot there. We, we, we like majority of us deal with a lot of trauma, um, from the past. And as a result of dealing with all of that, we have like very different ways of seeing the world, mm -hmm. um, in some ways much more open. Um, in some ways much more like suspicious. Um, and, and so like, it's very likely, I mean, it's a, it would, that, that our values will change. Um, but like, we still might be engaging in the patterns of living that we were before. Okay. I get what you're saying. So patterns of living you mean to say like our day-to-day -day circumstances like the just way that we behave the way that we act yeah yeah i mean I, so i, I want to kind of i want to keep playing on that which is so i'm thinking about all right you experience so let's say you say that you hold a certain kind of value for example i really value oh i don't know give me a good one here just uh, honest communication being really forthcoming about your feelings and then you realize maybe, or maybe not realizing, but then you are actually behaving in a way that's not indicative of that kind of directness and openness of communication. Mm -hmm. Whereas that like, you're not necessarily um, asking for it in your relationships. 
and you're not necessarily demonstrating it either kind of being like oh i say that i'm an honest person that i really like honest direct communication but i am cryptic or mm -hmm. i am passive aggressive or i tend to wait until things get serious before i'm willing to really speak up yeah and then kind of being like knowing that that is you've said that you want to be different from or you want to behave in a way that's a little different from that but you are behaving in that way and perhaps not feeling like you're able to join the two for some reason yeah it creates a cognitive dissonance yeah and this sense of like i am not happy with the person i am because it's not the person that i want to be mm -hmm. how exactly do you temper that relationship you know is it a question of being like maybe i need to readjust and examine my values or maybe i need to re-examine and adjust my actual behaviors mm -hmm. And being like, maybe there's different points in our life where we're actually juggling back and forth between the two. Yeah. How might you describe when would be an when would be a great time? When would be a triggering event to make the decision rather than simply adjusting your behaviors against your values? When is it time to evaluate the value system itself? Well, I mean, certainly you were if alluding you're, to it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, certainly if you're if you're developing anxiety and depression. Mm. Um, that's a time to re like reevaluate your value system and your and and kind of compare it to your behavior what do and you, see what, how they align. What happens if you don't know that's what you're experiencing? What if you are what, what if you are actually experiencing what maybe clinicians and psychologists and doctors would formally call anxiety, yeah. but the person themselves doesn't realize that's what's happening? Yeah. So like I yeah I mean if you find yourself just feeling kind of heavy or like slow and either like depressed, sad, low, blue, whatever word you might use to describe it, um, just on an average basis. Mm -hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that like some things get you going and maybe a little excited, but like, like majority of the time you're just feeling kind of either like mm -hmm. blah or just like really sad. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if you also are losing like, the ability to experience any kind of like pleasure in things or like joy, um, then that's probably a good sign too. Or actually one of one of anxiety like a, or depression, it sounds like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not having a good time mm -hmm. doing things that generally speaking are, are pleasant. Yeah. And often sleep mm -hmm. starts, you develop a pattern of sleep disruption okay. um, or just like wanting to sleep all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it can start to like cause you to have, Ex like questions about it, like just existential questions, you know, or dread, like questions about like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, and, and part of that is like, because you're not living the life you actually identify or you want. Yeah. Um, and so like, if you can look at that and see what are the things that I really want in the world? Like, what is it? And what values guide my want, like a guide me to get there. Yeah. Um, and am I living my life that way? Sure. And then if not, it's nothing to feel judgment or shame over. Um, it's something to recognize and build a plan hmm. for resolving. I was, you're actually going exactly where I was going to ask you next as I was like, let's say now, let's say that now you have someone who understands that they are not living by their values or their belief systems mm -hmm. that they want to be adopting. And they also understand that it's causing them anguish in their life or pain in their life, such as experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression, and they're motivated to do something about it. How would, what would it look like to start to actually build out that path to growth? So like, 
maybe we can use this example of like what I just said earlier, mm -hmm. this person who like wants to be communicating more honestly and more openly with people, but finds themselves unable to do so. How might one, how might this person being like, where do I start? What do I start doing yeah. to live differently? Yeah. So, I mean, first you would have to just like ask yourself, what are my values? Um, and really make sure to, uh, to separate, untangle yourself from the values that you were raised with and therefore had imposed upon you. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, loosen up around them in a way, because some of them might be the same, mm -hmm. uh, but some of them might be like totally opposite. Yeah. Um, like I know for me, you know, like I was raised with a value of like honoring my parents. Um, but at some point, my value for living authentically um, surpassed the um, surpassed the value I had for honoring my parents. It took and a it, higher priority. Yes, and so that's like when I came out um, because like I could no longer um, suppress that value because it was harming me to not live that value of authenticity, mm. um, and I was started to get depressed and anxious, and so uh, like coming out freed me of that you know i realigned myself with my values and i think it's something that we can all take a stop and look at these things if we are starting to have like those kinds of signs or uh, or challenges as a result of when these things get misaligned um and again it's it's not anything to feel shame about um it's no judgment uh, because it's so human mm -hmm. it happens um, the, what it is, is, is a time to be curious and reflective and like, and then yes, like start with identifying what they are mm -hmm. and then whatever that val the values are, um, like may set goals or like build a plan mm -hmm. for how to, um, start in living that value. Yeah. I want to, I want to say two things in response to that. Number one is I was thinking about like, I understand and this is where I want to offer my perspective. I understand the importance of being like knowing how to not shame or judge yourself for experience, for perhaps failing to live something out. If that's what you've kind of uh, might be down on yourself about, but it's kind of being like, what is the language that you can use that further enriches that ability to unpack those things and make it possible for you to overcome shame and judgment? Because mm -hmm. like, I think one thing that I would say, I tell myself and I'm, I'm a, like, I'm a harsh self judger for one. Mm -hmm. So I have to do this all the time is like almost like almost on a constant level. I like will, ex will handle something a certain way, react in a certain way. And I'll oftentimes in the moments that follow critique myself and being like, was that really the best way you could have reacted to that moment? Which I've realized is not a universal experience. Yeah. It's a very over, it's very overthinking in nature, but like I'll ask myself, like, was there some way I could have done that better or not better? And so yeah. sometimes I'll navigate a situation and realize, Whoa, I left this out or I left, I didn't say this thing that I wanted to say, or I was a little harsh during this moment, mm -hmm. or I actually sacrificed my own self in this conversation. And I yeah. did something that I didn't want to do and I'll tend to judge myself for it. And what I'll try to say is kind of like, first off, judging yourself isn't going to lead to healthier, like consequent behaviors mm -hmm. and also like you're judging yourself for something that's already happened and you can't change yeah like so judging is really having a lot to do with like comparing yourself to your past self which i'm realizing now like literally realizing now is like is a very regressive way of thinking yeah it's kind of being like 
everything you do has to now be compared against the best part, the best you in the past, which is just like not. But that's I mean, necessary. But the really. hope is that the you in the past um, will not be the best you. Like the hope is that the best you is the one right now. Also, the, um, the concept of a best you is so fleeting and momentary. Yeah. Why would you be making so many decisions about how you're living your life based on the moment you were at your best? Whatever that even means. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, what you say to yourself, you know, beep boop, like total mistake. Um, that's okay. Yeah. Um, because like now I've learned. Yeah. Um, that's not how, the way to operate. And so let me fix it. Yeah. And I think that makes me think another thing too. I think one, one way I've reacted to those moments in the past is I'll also deflect in moments and I'll being like, well, this person, I couldn't, I couldn't have done any better with this because this person didn't give me enough information or this person wasn't kind to me either. I'll come up with kind of reasons why I felt justified in the situation. Mm -hmm. And then the idea is to move past that. And I think when I'm most at peace with my own decisions, what I'm usually telling myself is I did the best I could. I did the best I could in yeah. that moment. And if you can tell yourself that and you believe it, it's a lot more easy to be at peace with your daily decision making, mm -hmm. I feel like. Yeah, because when you like when you hold on to it or you have that negative feeling, um, it just it just kind of sits with you and it festers. Uh, it, and, it, and it's something that can never be resolved because that thing you did in the past can never go away. It can never be unchanged. Right. Um, so holding on to it, that's just, uh, it's just harming you. It's not serving you. Now, if there are things or steps that you can take to in, like fix it or make amends, you know, then take them. Mm -hmm. um, but only think about the past in the, a way that like you can, if it needs to be addressed. Um, but if there's nothing to address or nothing that can be done, mm -hmm. then what is it serving you to hold on to anymore? Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not really a, it's, it's not a fully rational thought process. If I think a little bit about this example of like how you handle decisions and interactions and being like, oh, it wasn't really, I don't know if I handled it the best that I could have. I think that you sit on this challenging line between judging yourself, but also branding yourself or identifying as someone who seeks consistent self-improvement. Cause that's how I've, that's how I've uh, like tried to characterize myself as being like, I'm someone who's always trying to improve upon himself. And yeah. so that's the bright side of it. But the dark side of it is that it actually, in order to do that, what it means is you're also constantly critiquing yourself. Well, I mean, but it doesn't have to be, be, be like criticism necessarily. It can mm -hmm. just be, um, like feedback, you know? Yeah. And maybe like it's, it's, about, a, it's just data. It's like, it's about okay, objectivizing this. Yeah. This wasn't like behaving in this way, you know, it, it didn't serve anybody well. Um, and, uh, and again, yeah, if there are things that I can do to make amends, then I do them. Otherwise, um, change my behavior and move forward. Um, uh, and you also, I mean, you mentioned like over, uh, being over, like that over analytical piece, but the, I think what you're describing is like, at least it's like a productive way. Um, but ultimately only if you can, I only, if there's an actual solution, but if it's if very, keep, it's sick, it can be and it's at its worst. It can be cyclical. Yeah. It's, it's also very energy consuming. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, yeah. So if you find yourself ruminating, if you're, if they're, you're just like not doing it productively. So like if you're ruminating, what you do is you, I mean, you can actually get just concrete pen and paper and like map it out, map out the problem. Yeah. Um, and then like, uh, like work to 
to like get the gather the information you need to develop a plan to then like uh, shift um, your behavior. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can use the like the that's like the, essentially the design thinking process. Like, right. oh, this thing is not working. Um, so let me explore it mm -hmm. and figure out like why it's not working and maybe what does work instead. You're building um, a psychological, a new reworking your psychological algorithms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so sometimes that might mean talking to somebody about it, um, or that might mean like or, I mean it could be a friend, it could be a therapist, it could be um, family, you know, it could be whatever, whoever you can talk about with that kind of, about with that kind of thing. But like um, like that may take getting data from others, exploring and figuring that out. Mm. Uh, maybe it's not that complicated, whatever the situation is. Um, but uh, like then you just like take the steps and it's just life is just a continual process of like trial and error. And, uh, um, we just like move on and we adjust. We're all doing that. So like, yeah. there's no reason to judge cause like we're all doing it. Yeah. Um, and right. so we can like just accept that it's like of the, a process of just life. Yeah. I think if I think, if I think a little bit about my own experience with that, I think it's because there was such a there is such a strong attachment to success. Success is still so tied into worth. And so I even think a little bit about how I navigate interactions, which, as you know, are for one, there are too many of them in a day to be stockpiling and analyzing every single one. Mm -hmm. But I start to look at individual interactions as a thing that I have to succeed at. And it oftentimes takes a little bit away from the actual experience of the moment itself. You're so, so for example, like I feel like when I walk into a room of people and I, and I see that there's, I mean, people I know and also people that I don't really know, it's like, I think one of the things I immediately think to myself is you got to go in and you make sure that like, uh, you need to make sure you come across as someone who is inclusive and friendly. And so you need to make sure I, I walk in and immediately start thinking to myself, you need to make sure you like make eye contact with, say hello to, learn their name, shake their hand, give them a hug. And like already processing that as like a, a big task list. And mm -hmm. this the second I walk into a room, instead of taking a moment to just ask myself like, okay, how are you in this moment feeling? Are yeah. you feeling social? Uh, are you feeling bubbly? Uh, who... Who do you look around in the room and who are you excited to see? And do you just kind of want to go talk to them? Or are you in more of a mood to entertain and, mm -hmm. and do that thing? And there's all these social formalities that I think have almost felt more like a weight on me yeah. and how I behave in those contexts. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like in that case, it, it does it sounds less like it, a value of um, wanting like, to mm -hmm. support and care for others or, and more of a, a fear of doing or saying the wrong thing of being judged or embarrassed. Um, and I think we're coming uh, across as unfriendly. Yeah. It's like, Oh, here it is. It's like the, I say the value is inclusivity and friendliness, but what is actually happening is it's a fear of appearing exclusive or unfriendly. Yes. And that's like, it's where the fear is actually disguised as a value. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that means that I'm living my life based on fear yeah. instead of living out my values. And that can be, I can also get me tied back to mental, mental health issues. Yeah. And so, um, like if, uh, if it's something that, that it just doesn't, it, it doesn't really serve you anymore. Um, 
and uh, and it's been guiding it, but your but your behavior has continued in that way um it's a i mean that's absolutely human it's okay so it, it's also just nothing um to get a, a get upset about it's just a, something to be curious about uh develop maybe a plan for addressing it um making amends where necessary and then moving on yeah i mean i definitely buy into this idea of like you can uh, basically what you're describing is is design process mm -hmm. and procedure for things that i think most of us understand we do in life in so many other ways yeah you know like uh you want to cook a, a great dish here's a recipe here's all the components you need here's how much you need of each of them put them in a bowl do it this way mm -hmm. and then when you turn it out you're going to get the same product but seeing our own behaviors and our lived emotions and experiences as being like, actually, there's recipes for those experiences to exist. Yeah. I entered that situation with a certain sense of like, oh, like coming away from a party being like, I had such a fun time at this party tonight. And then in, in going back and being like, what was the recipe for that? Oh, like I had a great day at work. So I was in a good mindset. Mm. I walked in with a sense of open mindedness. I was really tuned into myself and what I wanted to get out of this night. I set an intention for the night. Yeah. And then when I went in, I had I had good company and all my friends were there. And furthermore, because like I had such 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 good intentions, I really went in with the strong desire to catch up with my friends. Mm -hmm. And you walk away being like, that's why I had such a good night. Because I had a good spirits. And I had really lovely, deliberate conversations and I was in good company yeah. and being like, that's what fills my cup. Like I should go and design more experiences that do that for me. Mm -hmm. I think, I think for some folks, it's really intuitive. It's, uh, again, it's one of those things where I'm critiquing myself now. I'm thinking to myself, this is so silly. Probably so many people already know this by now. And is this like, it's like, am I only just kind of like coming to this sort of realization of this way of thinking about it. No, I mean, I think that it's such a common experience. Like we continue thinking in the ways that were modeled for us growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but that's where we can stop and be more intentional with it. We can choose to um, make that more focus, you know? Um, and yeah, just as you say, like focusing instead, uh, like it, when our, when, when, when we don't, when we have a focus more on like a value um, in how we engage. So like valuing connection with others and openness rather than on fear of upsetting others or mm. um, that kind of thing, just doing it more authentically. Um, it's going to have a much different feeling. Uh, and like our internal experiences, feelings, thoughts, like they can be um, guides for how to engage in the world. Um, and, uh, and if we're not living in accordance with like what our bodies and our minds are telling us, um, then it's time to take stock yeah. and evaluate. So, um, so let me pose the same question to you, right? Let's use me as the case study in this moment. Let's say that I reflect upon this and I think to myself, oh, I think of myself as someone who is inclusive and friendly, but when I when I really examine it, what I've realized is, is a lot of times my most inclusive and friendly behaviors are a lot of, are coming out of a fear of coming across as unfriendly. Mm. So how do I take the next step from there? What if the realization is that like, what if it's like, I'm not a very naturally inclusive person? What if I actually do have a little bit of a tribal mindset and mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, I like to stick to my friends and I don't really like me meeting new people. Mm -hmm. What happens if that 
clashes with what would, we would say greater society has named a more noble convention or more noble mindset. Like we're living in a time of where inclusivity is really important, especially in communities of color of, of, within which I identify and especially in queer communities within which mm -hmm. I identify as well. What happens if I have this somewhat unpleasant realization that let's say this is the case. I don't know if this is the case, but like, let's say I think of myself as like, I'm realizing now I'm actually not as a widely inclusive person as I, as I try to paint myself to be, what do I do with that information? I mean, ultimately it's like that kind of realization is just one of those other like internal experiences that I just mentioned. Um, it's something to guide you and teach you. Um, mm -hmm. and when you, uh, when you recognize something like that, um, you kind of do some kind of, uh, problem solving like too. do you ask yourself why do you do you, like i could see this going a couple of ways like you could kind of go deeper and be like why am i a bit exclusive you know like why why am i someone who clings to comfort more than the sense of unknown yeah right what is it about being like again dissecting this further and further in and kind of being like like let's keep using this example you walk into a party and you you have you're left with the choice of just running to the people who you know, yeah, or being being like, no, I'm just gonna shake hands and meet people, yeah, and kind of being like, what is that actually saying about like my ability to handle handle ambiguity? Mm -hmm. What does it say about my ability to handle discomfort, such as social discomfort? Yeah, right. And is that something that I am I okay with that? Like, let's say like that. What the, what that means is. Like you could, you could characterize that set of interactions as someone who is socially risk averse mm -hmm. versus someone who is socially risk taking. So, yeah. Right. So it becomes a topic about risk aversion as opposed to just social settings. But I, well, so I guess it depends. Yeah. Is it, is it because you value like having tight, like interpersonal relationships? Um, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily means you value, you value exclusivity. I think it just means you, like, and I, I think it's possible for a person to both be inclusive and still Makes want to have a tight family, you know? Totally. Um, I don't think that they have to be exclusive ideas. Uh, and so like, uh, um, like if you, you still accept and like care for other people just as anyone else, um, because they... I mean, that just as humans, like, uh, they have every right to, um, well-being and like that, like feeling valued as you do. Mm. Um, and so, um, we can, uh, um, uh, but still like can also be, um, more, I guess, tribal, as you say, um, though I would, again, in that situation ask, is it a fear of discomfort that would come from meeting new people and risking rejection? Yeah. Um, or is it actually because you value just a tight knit little community? Fear, fear of rejection. I think that, I think you touched upon probably something that's very, a close relative, a close cousin of social anxiety is like a sense of newness mm -hmm. and being like, I'm a little uncomfortable with things that are unfamiliar to me in this way, but that being a close, because in social interactions, there's also this element of acceptance. And we like show up and we're like, is this person going to like me? Mm -hmm. And if they seem to show signs of not liking you, there's a pain associated with being like, 
oh, this person doesn't like me. What is the narrative I'm holding about when someone doesn't seem to exhibit warm and positive language and body language toward me? Yeah. And being like, have I been conditioned to believe that that means there's something wrong with me? Or have I maybe been conditioned to adopt a slightly healthier viewpoint, which just means that I think this person and I just aren't super socially compatible. Mm-hmm. It's about compatibility more than it is about like one person's more right than the other person. Because I think I go into like, that's part of an element of social anxiety is going in and being like, unable to control what this other person's perception is going to be and feeling mm-hmm. like it's too scary of a situation. There's not enough control in the situation to be like, I want to come out of here feeling like pretty secure about the outcome. And I want not only that, but I want the outcome to be favorable to me. So learning from an, learning from an early point in life, how to handle things like rejection and failure and, and that influencing, I could, it could be influencing all of your belief systems. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. one of those fundamental ones. Yeah. success and failure and how you view those things and what they are to you in your life, it can influence all of your other value systems. Because if you develop a fear of failure, a fear of making mistakes, your whole value system might be founded upon an avoidance of mistakes mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe again, uh, maybe adopting a healthier framework of be true to yourself and do your best Yeah, and realize that your best is all that you can ever offer in that moment. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I could say it better than that. <laughs> that one feels good. That yeah. one feels like it hit a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else? I, I, It feels like a nice full circle thing. I mean, and we could keep going with this topic of like mm-hmm. understanding how to even... I mean, I'm no expert. Like, I don't know exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure there's materials out there for how like therapists will do this. Psychologists probably have these tools, mm-hmm. how to help people align with their values. Cause like yeah. organizations do this. I mean, business executives have to sit down and be like, what are our values as an organization? Yeah. And that's, we've understood that to be key to good business. So how about the key to good personhood? Yeah. Being like, take a moment and actually do a values assessment, mm-hmm. check back in. And uh, yeah, I would say, um, there is a, a really good type of therapy, um, for this type of thing. It's called acceptance and commitment therapy or act. Um, and then I will, I, I will make a plug. Um, I don't get paid for any of this, um, <laughs> but it's just a book that I really like, um, uh, called the happiness trap. Um, it's by Russ Harris and, uh, um, he came out with a new edition just in 2022. Um, and so that's the one I'd recommend if you, if you were to get it, but it's a great book that talks about like, um, accepting, um, the inevitable discomfort in life from yes, taking risks of finding fulfillment, um, because avoiding life, it creates a greater assurance of maybe like being free of that, but like, it also doesn't bring us, it doesn't, lead to meaning anything meaningful Mm. um and so um like that it's a the book basically guides any non-mental health professional through um act therapy Mm. uh and so it's a um or i should just say act therapy is a um this is a double yeah duplication yeah yeah Um, but uh that would be that would exactly be uh, the the way I would go. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I think we feel like 
we're in this, especially millennials, we're in this period where we as adults, I think we're, we're learning how to work with emotions and our feelings and our mental health in a way that's unprecedented compared mm-hmm. to how our parents and our parents' parents. Like, well, I think we are, they, we are still, the, they still don't deal with them. We are the generation that, <laughs> yeah, in a way, yes. We're the generation that has like popularized and made the word therapy like a household word. Yeah. But I feel like we're still experiencing some transition pains of like, we are now, we are the generation that understands that there is value in hiring a trained professional to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Are we at the place where we're actively embodying the growth that should be happening in those conversations? Maybe some of us are and maybe some of us aren't. I would argue that probably the same proportion of us who were probably more inclined for that emotional growth before therapy was widespread, it's probably the same, still the same. Like I would yeah. argue that probably if you take a standard bell curve, the top 15% of the population, there's going to be a fringe, oh, 15% yeah, of the yeah. population who are really emotionally attuned, psychologically aware or at least they strive to improve in those mm-hmm. things so they're on they're honestly looking at life through that lens and then there's people who like like don't desire any change super complacent super comfortable where they are and being like like they don't see a value in perhaps challenging the way they are and they're like i am just the way that i am and i'm just going to keep living this way mm-hmm. and then there's people who are the broader in between who are kind of like i can't connect with that level of like awareness and sense of constant improvement on that stage. But like, I will definitely say there's moments in my life where like, I do realize there's a need to like examine myself and ask myself what I want. Like, mm-hmm. I think when you talk about things like the midlife crisis, the midlife crisis is a perfect example of having been way checked out of your values and your belief systems mm-hmm. and being like, Oh no, for the past 50, 40, 50 years, what have I been doing? Who am I really? Yeah, and that's kind of what that is. But I, but I think in the queer community, it's not happening midlife. <laughs> it's happening soon. It's happening, right? yeah, quarter life, third it, life. It, no, it is. It's happening like a. It's more a quarter life thing. But do you think we're that's, doing it faster? But is that an improvement? Are we more efficient, or are we just more endangered? Well, no, no, it's because we're more emotionally intelligent. <laughs> so we're hitting it sooner when it's perhaps less consequential, maybe. Well, we it's when... like, it, it's, it, it's in a time where like, a um, freedom, like, well, no, it's just, I mean, I think we grow faster just by nature of like what we've been through. Mm. Uh, it's, ex- uh, we're, it's like, we're accelerating in a way. Yeah. Uh, we're accelerating the manifestation of emotional experiences and what they mean for us. Mm-hmm. But growth is still our choice. Yeah. Like we can choose to just dwell on it or get stuck with it and struggle with it, or we can just choose to accept that it's there and like not let it affect our, um, what our experience now. Yeah. Um, That's so, so hard though. Like I think wanting to explain your present using past experiences is still such a pervasive framework. Yeah. You know, like, you know, we're studying, we're studying in school and we're like, you know, when you're assessing, let's say you're assessing a job applicant, right. Or you're, you're a college admissions. Mm-hmm. So much of whether you decide whether this person's going to continue with you is what they've done in the past. Yeah. So it's been ingrained into in our, our system. In our system. It's yeah. like you, you are only the things you've been and kind of yeah. being like, in a sense, you're not wrong because past behaviors do predict current ones. However, the dark side of that but it doesn't inspire that person to no. change. and especially if what you've been dealt or what you've what what you've had up until now has sucked yeah because then what happens is if you believe that your present is dictated by your past if your past sucked 
guess what? Your present's going to continue to suck. And how exactly do we break free from that mindset? You tell yourself, actually, all that stuff sucked, yeah. but I can turn it into strength. I can turn yeah. it into something that actually gives me, I, I can instead see my past experience as something that doesn't, in, in keeping with our last episode, our first episode, make me a victim, but more yeah. so now I have resilience. Now I have experience. Now I have my own personal brush with adversity mm -hmm. that has given me something that not experiencing adversity maybe couldn't have given me. A certain yeah. kind of comfort and i can lean into that growth and the strengths from that and rather yeah. than um continue to like continue to like uh um worry stir, and ruminate, stir with ruminate on the past um i can just focus on the here and now and living it better yeah um and that's yeah i mean if we can't do that yeah. we're just going to continue to feel bad yeah I mean, I think, and this could easily segue into a whole nother conversation. This is like for another episode Yeah, is, uh, talking about presentness and all the implications of what it means to be present. Yeah. Right. Uh, we'll leave that for another time though. I think, yeah, um, I think, yeah. What do you, what, what else do we want to say? I mean, ha, we went, we went far and wide with values and beliefs and values and belief systems. Yeah. Is there anything that we feel like that you want to maybe touch on that kind of no, I mean, wraps this up. We talked, we, we had some like, big things. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, um, I'll say this. I say two things that I want to come away with. Mm -hmm. Big takeaway for me, realizing that fear, fear of failure or fear of appearing a certain way is not the same as a value. Mm hmm. And if I was to even try to take this conversation as an attempt to rewrite that same value system of mm -hmm. like inclusiveness, friendliness, and rewrite them with things like, um, were you true to yourself in that moment? That's a value mm -hmm. or a belief system. It's kind of in between. Yeah. And did you try your best? And kind of being like, if you can walk away from a situation and been like, did you speak truthfully and live exactly the way, like show up how you wanted to? You have nothing to apologize for if you were true to yourself. Yeah. And did you try your best? And then you have nothing to regret. Yeah. And oh, it, and, but like it's poetic. But if not, like that's okay too. Sure. Just do better. True. Yeah. Yeah. But, like you don't have to like beat yourself up because you didn't mm. at one point. Yeah. Just do better. Yeah. Well, that that level of that level of self-flagellation requires like unpacking that and and working past that. Is a whole other is a whole exercise yeah. in and of itself mm -hmm. because I think detaching the recognition of mistake from the sense of that there that there is something that there's something worth punishing mm -hmm. that's something that I think like a rewards punishment like mind system that definitely like requires like you have to be repeatedly conditioned to this understanding of like look you are safe here. Nothing is on fire. Your life is not in shambles. You made a small mistake. Mm -hmm. How do you stop yourself from escalating your mind to this place of, of, of discomfort when we know that in the broader scheme of things, this is not overly consequential? Yeah, I mean, well, it's, again, it's just accepting it, it's in the past. Mm -hmm. And uh, the best way to deal with it is by moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, take whatever steps that are within your control mm -hmm. to 
change the situation mm-hmm. um, or just let it go and move on. Let it be and realize, I mean, this is also for me, it's like zoom. I call it zooming out. Yeah. It's just real. Like I, I feel like for me giving perspective, I always ask myself things like in the broader scheme of things, how big of a deal is this really? You know, I think especially when I'm experiencing Actually, I could say that for both positive and negative experiences, I tend to recognize and have my most powerful moments when I do zoom out and realize that. Mm-hmm. It'll be like when I'm having a really lovely conversation with a friend and let's say it was a paradigm shift in the friendship. I like I try to take a moment to reflect back and be like, oh my God, that conversation really like boosted or really pushed forward the trajectory of our friendship entirely mm-hmm. and having so much appreciation for those moments. But also being able to do the same thing on the flip side of it, which is to be able yeah. to like sep- when I need to, it actually you can use the same technique as a way to emotionally detach from things that bring you suffering mm-hmm. and kind of be like in the broad scheme of things, it's really not. Yeah, I'm not gonna die because of that. But you're more likely to gain something when you are like um, embracing potential discomfort, but also like uh, um, focusing more on the connection and uh and and it rather than on the on the fear on the fear yeah i don't know what uh what would you what's one thing you'd want everyone listening to walk away with having talked about everything we talked about what's one thing you would like love to what 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 would you love to reiterate or leave hanging in the minds of so i mean a big one is being able to untangle from the values that are imposed upon you rather than ones that you hold Mm. um being able to uh to just let go um Mm. when um when you recognize that you might not be in line with your values yeah Um, a big one oh a big thing being that like not being in line with like i personally believe that like a large percentage of depression and anxiety is a result of like not living according to your value system. Mm-hmm. And part of that is like not, a um, not reevaluating it from time to time because it, it changes as our life, as, like based on our experience, information we learn. And so, and like, that's okay. That they're not but we need static. to like make sure our behavior ends up matching it. Um, otherwise we will just not feel, yeah. we just won't feel good about ourselves. And, uh, and so, I mean, that, I would say those are like the main, that's like the main sum boiled down. That's fantastic. I think what I'm hearing from that is like, your values can change. In fact, they will likely have to. And it's important that they and that's, do. That's not, that's not a bad thing. That yeah. Like, they can change because like your life will happen around you and they may, it may demand that your values change because you may be carrying some that were never even yours you kind of borrowed them for a little bit Mm -hmm. or you thought they were the right thing to have. And when you look around and you look down at what you've got in your hands, you're like, actually, I don't really like this. Yeah. Why am I doing this? Let me go grab this other one over here. Um, Yeah. And it's a totally fine process because we all go through it. Like literally every single person. I think that's a super empowering message and I'll have to remind myself to stay connected with that. I think that's a huge one. I mean, it's something you can be checking frequently but I would say at least be checking it. I don't know. Like you can use New Year's time, New Year's resolution as a time to do your values check. You could use every five years as a chance to do a values check. You could look at major pivotal milestone moments yeah. in your life and being like, 
hey, what might what might this big shift in my life like? Oh, I just bought a new house. Oh, I just moved to this new city. Oh, I just moved in with my boyfriend. Yeah. Like, Abs- take that time to pivot and and think about your values. Then absolutely, like um, big life changes. Um, like major life events, I think they sometimes are called. Like those are the types of things that like really should trigger a values realignment. Mm-hmm. Um, or I mean, just if you're feeling, if you are dealing with depression or anxiety, um, you know, like sometimes that might not be the cause. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like I mean, definitely like part of, like trauma can be causing, yeah. but um, even if you just let's say you just feel like you've been really out of it for a while. Yeah. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just have felt off lately. Yeah. It's been more than a rainy day. It's been a rainy week. Or if you're like harder, if you're being harder on yourself, if you're, um, if you find yourself just like ruminating a lot, or if you find yourself not, I mean, acting one way, if you start not sleeping well, like again, all these kind of signs of just like, just not finding joy, um, recognizing that if you might be experiencing, um, like depression or anxiety, feeling like on edge or tense kind of. Um, so like maybe a, a question you ask yourself is when's the last time I felt joyful? Yeah. And when's the last time I felt relaxed or yeah. at peace? Yeah. Right. And kind of being like, if I can't recall, I don't know what, sometime in the last week, month that I, I felt joy yeah. in some small way, even Absolutely. that might mean that my entire being right now is is being influenced or veiled yeah. or weighed down by an incongruence of like the life I'm living versus the life I kind of want to be living. Yeah, it is time for an audit. An audit. So do it. Yeah. And uh, and it, you might find some really uh, really wonderful information. That well, that'll be really helpful. Um, but let go of the uh, the, the self judgment. Yeah. It's hard work. It's hard work. I think it's the kind of thing where it can kind of fry your brain a little bit to think about yourself in such ways. I also mm-hmm. think we've been conditioned to believe that thinking so much about yourself is somehow selfish or unwarranted. And I, I think we should definitely unpack that mm-hmm. in another episode yeah, <laughs> or no. something like that. But Yeah, but like, I mean, doing this kind of thing is something to be proud of, yeah. not something to feel shame over. I agree. It's It's a journey through life. It's getting to know yourself. What does getting to know yourself really mean? I think this yeah. is a huge part of that. I think that's a good place. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that wraps it up. Uh, yeah. um, thanks for listening and we hope, uh, we hope you enjoy Please um, let us know. Yeah. Um, send us so. comments back. If there yeah. was anything that you particularly liked about any part of this or if any resonated with you, we're like so into connecting with you about it. So please say something to us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We'll check you out. We'll check y'all next time. Next time. See you next time. Yeah.